the career he went to, to go on to have, but the two of us stood on the cup that day. And um, obviously the Jack moments were special. If you ever see the footage at the end of the game, the, you'll never walk right. alone. We want Jack yeah, back. Yeah. I mean, the two of us stood there and sang it as loud as anybody. And he came back out with his flag. And you sort of, But at the same time, you knew it was the end of an era, that the team was tired. It was, it was time to sort of regenerate that team. And you, you already got that sense. But, but Clivert, again... We, you know, when you look back on players now, you look at Haaland and what he has become. We've known that and we've seen that footage for the last four or five years with Clivert and what he was doing at Ajax was under the radar in many ways. Now, he had just scored the winner in the Champions League final at 18 years of age. Don't get me wrong. But it was sort of the TV coverage has sort of helped my memories, if that makes sense, because it was, it, it was all of a sudden I was watching a star. Now, he, he was part of an amazing Overmars at that time, was, was world-class as well. Seidorf had just come through that Ajax team, Van der Zaren goal. So it was sort of um, a golden generation of Ajax players. But he, on the day, like Paul McGrath playing centre-half, he, on the day... He could have had five or six and he scored two amazing goals and albeit he crushed Ireland's dreams and we had a couple of chances. I remember Terry Phelan blazing over the bar and maybe a half volley from the edge of the box by McGrath but on the day the Dutch just looked world class and, and him in particular and to see somebody so young like 18 years of age um, It's funny to think back to it because we were in two World Cups in a row at that stage yeah. and it was almost like I remember thinking, well, I, was, I, I would have been, what, 14 or that. I was thinking there was almost this surprise that, yeah, we were fairly beaten by Holland in a one-off. It's like, jeez, are we, are we at that level now where we just have to accept and look at, look at like, we had riches then that we didn't understand. Yeah, and, and even, um, and sort of, it was still Cascarino playing up front. Mm. Like, so when, and I think world football was beginning to change and there's a few moments where, for me, it changed. I mean, you look at France 98, I think that's when football changed to real athleticism. You look at, we'll go on, maybe go on to Spain later on in 2012, that's when the, the sort of possession game and, and the ability to keep the ball changed. But But it was like this Dutch team, young, youthful players, 
with the same time they you know the likes of Sadoff wasn't um, wasn't shy about making a tackle in any way mm. shape or form but it was it was it was a different way of doing it and uh, we looked tired and all that that day and ultimately Jack's tactics had run out, out of its, its sort of lifespan mm. on that day and Cliver had punished us so much like his, his dink for the second goal mm. late in the game was just it, like it was right in front of us on the cop but it was amazing to see and I just went and I know, I know his career sort of I don't know he had an amazing career in many ways, but he, he got a knee injury heading into that World yeah. Cup. And I, I know he did score against England in the 4-1 defeat at that uh, championship, but he wasn't he wasn't the same player for a couple of years. He went on to have a brilliant career, I think, at, at Barcelona. But it was like, you, it was almost like, um, for me, as much as I'd seen him on and off the TV, as I said, to see somebody like that live, you go, wow, this guy is the real deal. And... Um, it was, it was sensational on the day. Is 16-year-old Richard Dunn set her half in the crowd standing beside you going, ah, I would have stopped Clive right there. Yeah, it's funny. I don't, I don't remember him saying that too much, but <laughs> uh, uh, it's funny It's it's funny when you think of like singing We Want Jack Back and different things like that. When, um, when, when you think of it, there was no cameras around at the time, there was no camera yeah. phones, no text messages. <clears throat> um, he had just signed for Everton and you think the career he went to to go on to have yeah. and he marked Cloyvard not that long after that to be honest a couple of years later he ended up marking Cloyvard so um, I don't remember having in-depth conversations with him at the time in terms of what would you do against this guy because you know yourself it seems so far away but um, <laughs> it's it, it was a uh, no it was a special moment but I think I think the Cloyvard part of it for me was was amazing but also the whole occasion, you ha- like uh, that was one of the best occasions I think I've ever been at mm. Anfield. And then the the sort of it, it was a weird thing where the Dutch fans start applauding, and you knew they were applauding the Irish fans. So then the Irish fans start applauding the Dutch fans, and it was just this Good weird, vibes all around. just this great vibes. And then it's, <clears throat> it's just, we came out of the stadium. Then all of a sudden got hostile because typical, typical the wrong word, but the British police were there, and you could tell. They, they, they at that time they policed football games completely yeah. different. And something was in the air. Yeah, and there was something in the air. And I remember um, we were only young lads. We jumped in a taxi and went back to uh, Richard's Digs at the time and just got out of the city as quick as we could. But it was there was still that sort of hooliganism element around uh, British football at the time because uh, it was obviously played in a neutral venue. So I'm sure uh, poor Alan Kelly and goals remembers remembers mm. Patrick Cliver quite well from that night as well. Yeah. Your your third pick is a better memory. It's it's also against the Dutch, but Roy Keane's intrepid yeah. performance in two thousand and one. Um, this one went went the right way. So this is the two thousand and two World Cup qualifier course, September first, two thousand and one. We all remember what happened with the goal um, with Jason McAteer, but Roy Keane's performance that day was uh, something else. Yeah, I, I think if you remember in the first minute, he, he just nailed Mark Overmars, <laughs> and he didn't get booked, and he didn't get booked in the whole game. Right. He didn't well, get booked at no, all. No. Remember Yap Sam's tackle and him going into the goal? Then? Just in, in, yeah. in the build up for the yeah. goal. And um, I remember uh, Mark Van Bommel and him went up against each other, and it just he, he just had him on a piece of string. It was like a, a toy. Couldn't happen to a nicer fella. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you, like, it's funny, we, we now the, the Roy that we know now, it's. Um, because I grew up sort of a Liverpool fan, but I was always quite neutral in terms of even to this day, who I like, who I didn't like. I never had a real love for Roy Keane. Yeah. I don't I don't know what it was, but that day 
I remember uh, it was the old Lansdowne as well. So you were up in that old sort of main stand. And the the atmosphere was obviously... We were expecting to be teams like Holland at the time. When you yeah. think of where we stand now or over the last sort of 10, 12 years. But I think Roy, he had this... Um, we all people have different views of Roy Keane in terms of how he played, but he had this calmness about him. I know the game ended fran- frantic, as in the Dutch had six, seven forwards on that stuff. But if you actually go back to the game, he was so controlled and measured and everything. He was so he was calmness was personified. Mm. His passing range um, went to slow the game down, and also. What he never really got, gets the credit for when people talk about Roy Keane, the player, his ability to make uh, breaks into the box and in behind people, and and that stretches midfields and particularly the way the game was played then, nearly four four twos. Um, I remember one time he made a run in behind. It was in behind Stam, and McIntyre overhit the ball, goes to the end line, and like the crowd went quiet, and you, like you could hear Roy nail a McIntyre and <laughs> like McIntyre the usual. They yeah, yeah. Up years later, yeah. No, they obviously <laughs> made up as as it developed. But his performance that day and um, it's the, the tragedy of what we knew was going to happen in Saipan. Yeah, like yeah, and, and and that's the the killer part. The, like, um, he obviously had such high standards, but I don't think if he didn't have them standards, Ireland would have won that game. Mm. Like, we, we they had a corner at one stage and it's cleared to the edge of the box, and it's a brilliant moment where, and it sort of summed up. Roy in many ways because people will sum him up by the tackle on Overmars and, but he broke about 60 yards Japstan is, is sort of running after him he's the only one nearly in the Dutch half he just kills the ball with his studs and just rolls it back to a Gary Kelly or uh, someone behind him and just like really really calm and um, I remember one stage there was a ball back Richard Dunn played that game uh, because uh, he came into the team on that game it was him and Steve Staunton at centre half um, and all of a sudden the Irish players were passing and passing through lines because Roy was demanding of them to do it as in his position yeah. or he wasn't because of the level he played I, I remember one stage he got the ball the Dutch had a, uh, uh, he, won, he, won a, he won a ball in the midfield gets it out of his feet turns and I actually remember because obviously I'd sort of I was mates with a guy playing here this was weird and he just fires it back to Richard Dunn, who first time passed it out to Gary Kelly. And you're like, this is... And it was so, almost even at that time, un-Ireland, like, because we were starting to transition. And Have we had anyone like that since as well, Vinny? This is the thing, we've never had that midfield general. And you look at us even against Armenia, where we lose our way very quickly, we change the midfield. We just haven't had anything like that, no. where it's like, he, he demands it. Like, he, I, I, and I look after this ball for you. Yeah, we, we've had flashes of, of brilliant moments in terms of... Uh, people have gone into that position and done really, really well at different stages. But no, of course, we've never had that world-class midfielder. The, like, in fairness, in that game you had, um, when you think back to the previous Dutch game, maybe in the playoff, you Duff, Duffer was brilliant on the day as well, to be fair to him. Kevin Kamban played, uh, Gary Kelly played, Steve Phelan came on, I think. But um, the Duff done... Uh, Robbie Keane obviously we, we but that is such a pivotal position in football that if you don't have that you, you're going to struggle and, and he set the tone for everything that was good about us so no we've we've had like if you go to the Euros in 2012 I think probably our best player was um, 
uh, Keith Andrews at the mm. time in midfield. We've had different moments where Josh Cullen is now is trying to emerge in that position, but he's he's very different than, than what Roy Keane is. So it is a big, big problem for us. We, we've, we've sort of stopped developing those sort of... I think we stopped developing number 10s in Irish football and that sort of really great number six mm. just looking at the Dutch Dutch lineup from that day as well Van der Sar was in goals then the, the back four Mario Melchior Kevin Hofland Arthur Newman Yap Stam you Philip Koku the captain for the Dutch Overmars Van Bommel Zenden and then Clivert and Van Nistelrooy up top and then off the bench Hasselbank Van Hoydonk Van Bronckhorst didn't realise as well like Steve Finnan comes off the bench on 60 minutes yeah. and 67th minute he crosses for we were down to 10 so Oak. long as well we were yeah. down to so um, uh, Gary Kelly got sent off yes. as well and it, it, but but going back to Roy, minutes, that's just literally two minutes before Finnan comes uh, on. And and uh, I want to explain this well enough. Go back to to Roy though, right? He, he picks up the ball on uh, just just inside his own half on the far uh, touchline. Van Bommel is close to him. Amazing little bit of skill. He drives straight across midfield. Yapstam jumps out of the back four, which actually helps the goal. Makes a stupid tackle on Roy Keane. Uh, Damien Duff is sort of in central. He's off his, mm. his wing position. He plays the ball, Damien Duff, then Stam absolutely nails Roy Keane. And then Duff goes out to Finnan. Whether it's a great cross or not, it doesn't, it's overhead cross. Doesn't the matter. Dutch are, are out of shape because of what Roy had done. If you ever watched the goal back? And then uh, McIntyre, obviously, it's a brilliant finish. But it was it, the goal came from Roy's brilliant bit of skill against Mark Vommel on the... Actually, right on the... Um, uh, left touchline was that our best team to... that we've ever had that day in the sense of because Keane didn't play in the World Cup so was that was that as good as it got for Ireland or would you go back to the early sort of the late 80s around the sort of early Jack era um, yeah I, I suppose I probably I think I think you would in terms of I think for players we had um, in terms of around Aldrich Houghton at the time um you know, Ronnie Whelan, those people were in and out of the team. Or defensively, were really strong. I think the team that played against um, Italy in the 94 World Cup was probably our best team. McGrath and Bab at the back. Um, Houghton, albeit off the right. People say Jack never had tactics. And I think, that's, I think that suits the after-dinner speaker mm. uh, type of element. But if you even go back to that goal Ireland scored in the 94 World Cup... Um, uh, John Sheridan dropped short. Andy Townsend was more of a sitter. He he was the runner in the game. Yeah. John Sheridan dropped short, gets it off Der- Dennis Irwin. Yes, he goes long, but actually Houghton is in that sort of number 10 position mm. that he came in off the line and then chips one over the keeper. But that team, I think, was probably where we were at our very, very best. Your your fourth and penultimate pick on you had to be there this morning, Vinny, is Euro 2012, another painful memory, Andres Iniesta yeah. moments as a Spain beat. Isn't it? Yeah, let's talk it all through. Yeah. Uh, Spain 4, Republic of Ireland nil, murder on the Gdansk floor, I think was one of the, the headlines. In the, one of the having, having that one. Ah, brilliant yeah. one. Hmm. Um, a, a tough night for Ireland, but what a, what a night for Iniesta. Yeah, but, and, and again, it's a bit like lying at the start, right? I, Iniesta was amazing on the day, and I remember sitting in the stadium saying... Because, again, it's 2012, so you're starting to see a lot more football and he's mm. part of this great Barcelona team that, that w- was, was, was really good. The, the Spanish had sorted a lot of their problems out um, in terms of the Real Madrid were so strong, Barcelona players, the clash of, of these sort of players. And they grew into this tournament and I think they brought football to a new level. It yeah. was, it was um, He played sort of narrow off the left 
but he had this freedom to go in Rome everywhere and he was turning up in different positions. He did direct hand in two of the goals he scored that night. He went on to be player of the tournament. Um, he was just simply sensational throughout that tournament and to see him live and to see what he'd done to that Irish team who, look, that Irish team were tired at the time. It yes. Was, it was... Uh, it was a step two, and it, it was difficult. It was difficult night because around that time in 2012, funny. I went to the tournament. I I don't know what weight I was. Right when I went, I went for 14 days. I was in around the team uh, hotel. I know everyone was, but I mean properly in around the team hotel. And I think I came back about stone and a half overweight at the time, uh, heavier than what I, I remember getting off the plane Dublin Airport. My wife picked me up, gone. Look at the state. <laughs> I was in bits. And your weight isn't great either. Uh, weight wasn't great either. And, but it was an amazing time. And for someone, I had just re- sort of finished with football and I was doing bits and pieces. Because when you're involved in football, a lot of these tournaments, particularly in League of Ireland terms, happen. That's why you're at not many of them. They happen while sort of we're in season yeah. or different things. And this time I had the freedom to go. And it was an amazing experience, that European Championships. Ireland were really, really poor. But I think I've seen one of the great midfielders of um, the great generations. I think I've seen one of the most ma- amazing performances that any midfielder has ever put in, in, in from an Irish sort of, or against an Irish team or anybody I've seen. And then it played out, they were, that, that team was just cruise to the, yeah. the to the European just championships at, like that Spanish starting lineup as well um, like Casillas Arbeloa Pique Ramos Jordi Alba Xavi Busquets Alonso Silva Torres Iniesta and then to, just to refresh people's memories we were only 1-0 down at half time Torres fourth minute and then second half David Silva gets a goal four minutes into the second half Torres gets his second on 70 minutes and then Fabregas in the 83rd so at half time we're probably thinking geez they're all over us but if we just nick yeah. a goal here you do and you you do think like that particularly with say Robbie on the pitch or Duffer we're hanging hang in here and, and it was in many ways that was the Trapatoni way in terms mm. of staying in a game and hopefully some big moment can happen and a lot of Ireland's big moments around that time did come like the goal against Germany yes. when you are getting bashed a little bit and then one big moment from people but I think the big moments had gone out of that group unfortunately And but if you even go back to it and this is where so the, my brain works from a tactical point of view. All of a sudden, Spain, there was a team playing with no wingers here. So you'd like um, Iniesta playing narrow and, and the re- responsibility was Arbeloa and uh, Georgi Alves to go as w- almost wing-backs, even though they weren't wing-backs. So Spain, to play that way, had to keep the ball for fun, had to... So the Xavi, Iniesta... Um, and they could Busquets and they could Fair. and they did now it's funny I was only recently checking the stats it's saying that our, um, our Spain had 66% of the ball right <laughs> but it actually on the night felt like they would 80 yeah. to 90% of the ball at mm. the time so albeit we were 1-0 down we were completely and utterly outpassed and um, in in that moment that was a real snapshot of Iniesta he got three man of the match in throughout that tournament awards won the player of the tournament and as I said I think alright he had amazing players David Silva um, um, and again I don't think Torres started the final so they were they were changing how people played football for me around that time um, it was David Silva um, but it was it was a new way of playing football and it was just it was it was just amazing to see in terms of um, I'd like to think that 
uh, that was 2012. So when we went into Dundalk in 2013, we just Replicated. copied Spain. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. can't get away with that. Pretty much said. Yeah. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode.